Freedom costs something. Don't take it for granted. Freedom must constantly be protected, and it's protected by the truth of the Word of God. You can lose your freedom by following people. You can lose your freedom by being afraid of what are people going to say. So live your life in the eye of God, that you obey the rules and you keep the commandments, not from the fear of men, but from the love of God. Today on the Songtime Broadcast, we continue our year in review with a classic message from the late, great Dr. Warren Wiersbe in our recent study in the book of Galatians. He'll talk about how the central theme is freedom in Christ and how we understand that through the one gospel. There's only one gospel and it's found here in the book of Galatians. Stay tuned for that message. But first, we'll talk about the doctrine of sin as we're joined once again by Mark Jones, the many voices coming together for that one message. I'm your host, Adam Miller. You're listening to Songtime Radio. Today, we're continuing our year in review, looking back at the various uh, conversations and interviews that we've had over the course of this year. Part of that was a series. Some of the best interviews came out of our doctrine series as we were trying to break down various doctrines and points of theology. We didn't get through them all. We had a big, ambitious goal to have a conversation every month, Uh, but here's the deal. Unless they wrote the book recently, a lot of people didn't want to do interviews for books that were several years old, and it was hard to find books that were new based on all of the various doctrines that we're trying to explore. Uh, So it didn't work out exactly as we had planned or anticipated, but this book called Knowing Sin deals with a neglected doctrine, the doctrine of sin that is often overlooked, especially in our conversations and in the way that we do our focused on the gospel, the good news, we can often underestimate the importance of addressing the bad news and to see our sin and confront our sin and to see it fully so that we can address it, to look in the mirror and see ourselves as we truly are so that we can be changed and transformed into the image of Christ. Well, today we're going to be hearing from Mark Jones, who wrote a book called Knowing Sin, Seeing a Neglected Doctrine Through the Eyes of the Puritans. This is my previous interview with Mark about this very subject and addressing an issue that is crucial. I asked him to explain to us the structure of his book and how it helps us to confront the sin that we often don't want to look at and certainly don't want to see. Here is Mark Jones. There's a few things I think in the book you'll you'll hopefully be uh, illuminated by in terms of like uh, the idea that the seed of every sin is in our heart because we have a sinful nature um, in terms of the natural man. So there's no sin that we can't commit left to ourselves with the right context and so on. Uh, that helps us. The other thing that helps us is, is not just um, that idea, but also recognizing that the greatest sin against me by any human being is still less than my smallest sin against God. And God forgives me. And, you know, that's something the Puritans taught me uh, how to understand sin. So if, if you keep that in mind, your smallest sin against God is more evil than the greatest sin against you, you should be able to forgive people because God forgives us. 
Uh, D.A. Carson talks about that quite a bit, yeah, the, the issue of that uh, God is always the most offended party. And I'm, sh- I'm sure he's probably quoting somebody else, maybe even a Puritan, yeah. when yeah. he says that. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah. that is really the case, and that's one of those areas that we have not adequately understood sin. Yeah, yeah, no, that's a good, good point. I'm sure he was, yeah, I'm sure it's been said many times before, but definitely the Puritan said it, I know that. Well, I think uh, David was one of them who said it in, in yeah. Psalm 51. Kind of, yeah, yeah, he might be the original, original source. Mm. But that's ultimately the true case, and that has to be, you know, really dealt with in our own lives. I think that's the idea in, in Matthew 7, uh, dealing with that beam in our own eye, realizing how much we've offended God. Uh, that makes things very different in how we see our neighbor, and it also helps us to help them. If we really care about our neighbor and we want them to stop sinning, we it it's we have to first look inwardly. Yeah, yeah. And sin sin is miserable. It doesn't it doesn't help you. It it harms you. It, mm. it, and so, uh, to the degree that we're able to help people in terms of their sin through the gospel, we're really helping people. And you know, for all the for all the talk of how we can love our neighbor, there's no greater love you can show to your neighbor than giving them the gospel as a solution to not just their eternal life, but even their life on earth as being free from the consequences of sin, which are real for, for, for everyone. Yeah, isn't that Jesus uh, teaching in, in Matthew 18, right? That, that we as a church are to be called a, a, this called out community to actually help people to, to not sin and to, to not tie millstones around people's necks and, and, and encourage sin. And, you know, th- I mean, throughout the epistles, how much sin was a problem in the church that wasn't being dealt with in the church in Corinth. Uh, now, those were all different times. We don't have any of those problems today, do we? No, yeah, yeah. Well, as, as I think I say in the book as well, that, you know, the more, the, the, the more things change, the more they stay the same. And there's nothing new under the sun and so on and so forth. That's the one great weapon we have as Christians is we have a message that is actually relevant to all people at all times, all ages, all socioeconomic classes. Like there's nothing that you can, there's no one you can go to this world and say, yeah, I don't know what I could say to you. Um, That's the glory of the gospel based upon universal sin. Now you talk about, um, you know, things that we probably don't consider much when we're addressing sin. You talk about the the deceitful ways of the devil and sins of omission, um, uh, different than sins of commission. We have to have a little more of a broader understanding of sin than just the kind of cookie cutter way that we've approached it in the past, don't we? Yeah, yeah, I think uh, omission is, is, is good. It comes from the idea of privation, which is Sin is, uh, in terms of privation, it's not just the, you know, inordinate lusts of the flesh and the, the, the way in which we hate God, but it's also the lack of a positive quality of righteousness. And so that's why you'll find Paul in like a place such as Ephesians 4, we'll just talk about like what you put off is the sin, but then you've got to put on something in place of that. And that's righteousness. And so the person who steals is to no longer steal, but work so they may have something to share with those in need. So Christian ethics is never just negative. It's never just your sins are forgiven. There's a positive righteousness or you mustn't do this, but you should do something in place of that. It's, there's no neutral ground. So 
that's something I think we need to do a better job of in preaching and our Christian living. We've been listening to my interview with Mark Jones from earlier this year as a part of our Doctrine series. The book is called Knowing Sin, Seeing a Neglected Doctrine Through the Eyes of the Puritans. It's an excellent resource, especially because it addresses an issue we often want to turn a blind eye to. We don't want to see our sin. We don't like to talk about it. We don't want to address it. And unfortunately, that leads to it fostering in our lives in a way that becomes a problem that rears its ugly head so that others are affected by it as well. We need to address sin, and this book will help you do that. And we need to do it with the hope of the gospel. If you want to grow, as it says in Hebrews 12, 1 and to, to run the race and lay aside every weight in the sin which so easily beset it, we need to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, and this book can help you do that. Find out more about this book and other books that we have available for you by giving us a call, 508-362-7070. Of course, you can also head over to our website at songtime.com. Well, today we're continuing our year in review in this message, a classic sermon from the late, great Dr. Warren Wearsby, a good friend of the Songtime ministry, but also a great expositor of the Word. And in today's message, we'll go to Galatians chapter 2. As a part of our year in review, this message helps us understand how to contend for the faith, to be freedom fighters. You know, we think about that in the American context, fighting for freedom is seen in a a kingdom mindset, this world's mindset, and it's accepted so beautifully as we fight for our freedom. We honor those who have have given their lives for our freedom, but we often overlook the necessity to fight for our faith and to contend for the faith and to confront those who would present a false gospel. In this message, Warren Wearsby explains to us from Galatians 2 why contending for the faith is so important. Galatians chapter 2, we find the Apostle Paul involved in two battles because there were two threats to the liberty of the Christian. And these threats are still with us today. And I wonder where the freedom fighters are. Where are the people who will stand up and be counted and say, I am going to fight to preserve the freedom of the church? Now, we must constantly beware of the threats to our spiritual liberty in Christ. And here in Galatians chapter 2, we find two enemies that are a constant threat to our freedom in Christ. Verses 1 through 10. Then 14 years after, I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas and took Titus with me also. Titus was a Gentile. And I went up by revelation and communicated unto them that gospel which I preached among the Gentiles, but privately to them who were of reputation, lest by any means I should run or had run in vain. But neither Titus, who was with me, being a Greek, was compelled to be circumcised. And that because of false brethren, unawares brought in. That Greek word brought in is used for a traitor who brings in the enemy to take over. False brethren, unawares, brought in, who came in secretly. Philip says they wormed their way in to spy out our liberty which we have in Christ Jesus, that they might bring us into bondage. 
Now, most Bible students believe that these ten verses refer to the council in Jerusalem. Paul and Barnabas were ministering in Antioch. In Antioch, there were many Gentile believers. When these Gentiles had gotten saved, the Jewish church in Jerusalem sent Barnabas up there to check things out. Was this for real? And when Barnabas saw the grace of God, he exhorted them to continue in the Lord, and he was very happy. He went and found Paul. You know why Barnabas went and found Paul? He knew that God had given to Paul a commission of the Gentiles. And certain men who came down from Judea taught the brethren and said, except you be circumcised after the manner of Moses, you cannot be saved. The problem was caused by two groups of people. Number one, saved people who were legalists. Number two, unsaved people who were legalists who wormed their way in. That's what Paul's talking about in, uh, Genesis, in, in Galatians chapter 2, this conference in Acts chapter 15. Paul had discovered that there were these false brethren in this group, and every place Paul went to preach, this crowd showed up and undermined his ministry. Now, the Word of God warns us about people creeping in. Jesus said, Beware of false prophets. They come in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. Paul in Acts chapter 20 said, I know that after my departure, wolves are going to come in. Beware now. You watch. Our enemies are not outside the church. They're inside the church. And if we are not careful while we are sleeping... These people worm their way in, and they say to somebody, oh, you can't be saved except, except, except. And then you've got division in the church and problems. Our first enemy, then, is the false brother who comes in. Now, in the rest of this chapter, in Galatians chapter 2, beginning at verse 11, Paul talks about a second enemy, not the false brother who comes in with a false salvation, but the fearful brother who goes out with a false separation. But when Peter was come to Antioch, I withstood him to the face, because he was to be blamed. For before certain men came from James, Peter did eat with the Gentiles. But when they were come, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing them who were of the circumcision. Verse 14. And But when I saw that they walked not uprightly, that little word walk uprightly is our word orthopedic. An orthopedic surgeon is somebody who works on your feet so you can walk straight. And so Paul showed up as the orthopedic surgeon. He said, Peter, you need surgery. Your feet aren't walking straight. Barnabas, you need surgery. Paul had the courage to stand up and do something about this. Now, why did Paul fight these false brothers who came in? that the truth of the gospel might continue with you. Why did Paul denounce Peter to the face? Verse 14, he was not walking uprightly according to the truth of the gospel. What was Paul concerned about? The truth of the gospel. I say this lovingly, I say this carefully, a false separation denies the truth of the gospel. I want to give you a little rule, not a law, a little rule, a little principle that will help you if you want to get along with people. When you meet an unsaved person, look upon him as someone for whom Jesus died. You'll be able to love him. When you meet a Christian, look upon him as someone in whom Jesus lives, and you'll be able to love him. As I travel around this country preaching in different places, as I receive mail from many, many people, my heart is broken that Christians can't love each other. 
and work together and walk together. At least be kind to each other. If all of the printer's ink that's being spilled denouncing a brother for some minor thing were used to get out the gospel, more people would get saved. Peter was a great man. Peter preached at Pentecost and 3,000 were saved. Peter raised the dead. Peter healed the sick. Peter was a great man, but great men can be wrong. Peter was wrong. I thank God for a Paul who went to him lovingly and said, Peter, you're wrong, and I'm going to straighten you out. I've come here as your spiritual orthopedic surgeon. I'm going to straighten you out. And he did. We don't have the results here, but obviously Peter said, you're right, I'm wrong, I'm sorry, I apologize, Lord, forgive me, and they went back to work for God. Freedom costs something. Don't take it for granted. Freedom must constantly be protected, and it's protected by the truth of the Word of God. You can lose your freedom by following people. You can lose your freedom by following tradition. You can lose your freedom by being afraid of what are people going to say. So live your life in the eye of God, that you obey the rules and you keep the commandments, not from the fear of men, but from the love of God. Be the kind of a student that doesn't even have to have a rule book because you've got Jesus Christ living in your heart. Surrender to the Lord and dare to believe in freedom. Some people are afraid of freedom. Some people aren't ready for freedom. Some people aren't mature enough for freedom. That's what Paul's going to talk about in the next chapter of Galatians, where maturity comes in in this matter of freedom. The world in which we're living in today is divided on uh, so many issues. There seems to be so many platforms and so many hills to die on, it's actually really hard to pick from. It's a smorgasbord. It's a buffet of options to choose from, and it seems that everyone has their own distinct uh, convictions and their own distinct battles that they're trying to war against. Well, Jesus calls us all together to give up our own private and and tertiary and secondary issues and to join together for the central issue, which is the advancement of his kingdom and the gospel message. Our motto is many voices, one message. And that's actually getting harder and harder to do every single year as tensions rise, as believers undermine the gospel. As we continue our study and a reflection on the book of Galatians from this past year, as we look at that letter, we are reminded of the Apostle Paul who contended for the faith. There were a lot of issues that he could have addressed, but this was an issue he took seriously. And for the majority of his ministry, in many of his letters, he addresses the the gospel's degrading in his time as people were trying to add to the gospel, change the gospel, distort the gospel. It got to a point that he even had to confront the apostle Peter himself. Now, Paul considered himself to be the least of the apostles. He didn't consider himself uh, equals with Peter or James, the brother of Jesus. But yet when he goes to Jerusalem, he stands up, he confronts them in front of the whole body and tells them that they have, that they stand condemned because they are not propagating the gospel. They're not propagating the kingdom of God. We see that James and Peter confess. They they admit that they were wrong, and they join with Paul and his cause to defend the gospel. But that took a lot of courage. It took a lot for him to stand up for what matters, to defend the gospel. He will later write in his book to the Romans that there are issues of fighting over food, uh, fighting over um, days of the week and festivals. He says those aren't important. 
He knows which is right and which is wrong, by the way. But he says that that is not important. The thing that we must contend for, that is most important, is the purity of the gospel, that we are not saved by our works, that we are saved by the grace of God. It is not our righteousness, but it is the righteousness of Christ himself who gave himself and died in our place so that we can stand before God blameless and holy. I hope that this encourages you and gives you a perspective once again to go back and read through the letter to the churches in Galatia. And if it has been a blessing to you, could I encourage you to be a blessing to us in return? We'd love to hear from you. It is it is really a great privilege to hear from our listeners and to know that you are supporting the work that we're doing. So write to us at Songtime Radio, P.O. Box 100, Barnstable, Massachusetts, 02630, or you can give us a call. It's 508-362-7070. You can also head over to our website at songtime.com, or you can look us up on social media. But don't forget to tune in again tomorrow. We'll continue our year in review as this message from Sinclair Ferguson points us to the central theme in the letter to the Galatians, that we must be crucified with Christ. Christ's dying for us on the cross because we have believed into Christ, into union with Christ. Says Paul, I have been crucified with Christ. On behalf of everyone here at Songtime and our late founder, Dr. John DeBrine, who has always encouraged you to grow in grace so that you won't groan in disgrace, we want to thank you for listening. From Cape Cod, I'm Adam Miller with our theme verse, Ephesians 1, 3, and 4. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him.